lay it down. That's what he said. I'm going to lay it down. Not sure what that means, which is a good indicator that I'm old. If you're older than me, you don't know either. Well, hey, everybody, it's good to see you today. It's good to be in church together. Um, What an honor to be together. Matter of fact, I could not help. Ken, we were sitting there watching uh, Anthony um, talk about the Shuckers game, July 9th. And I'm thinking it's probably going to be about 98 degrees, right? You, You remember, we've been there many times together. And I thought of this, a church that sweats together stays together. I don't know if that's ever been used before, but it, it, it's a very uh, appropriate statement. So um, can't wait to sweat together. What's up, splatter? <laughs> so it is, uh, it's, it's an honor to be here in Gulfport. I'm normally in Wiggins, love Wiggins, Wiggins loves you, and one church, four locations. Look, Pastor Casey is in Wiggins. Uh, Pastor Jordan is in Long Beach right now uh, speaking, and Pastor Van is in Ocean Springs, and so it's so cool that our pastors are getting the opportunity to, to rotate around and visit, and uh, it's always good to, to, to see the whole church. I tell you, I think that just like going on missions trips helps you to get a bitter, bigger picture of global, uh, the global church, uh, I think that for us as pastors to be able to, to go to other locations and see the people, meet people, meet new people, uh, it's, it's just a great opportunity. I encourage you, even as you get the opportunity to, to visit our other locations, to do that. It's your church, one church, four locations, and so it's, uh, it's just a good, good thing to be here, man. I'm just, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I wanted to, before I preach, I wanted to uh, remind you, and I know probably last week it was said from this platform, uh, but our next steps class is right after church today. It's actually in this, uh, this west hallway. You can go right out the doors to the left, and it's the first room in the hallway there. Uh, but if you, if you're fairly new to Northwood, Maybe uh, you're kicking the tires, checking things out. This is a class that we do every month that helps you to know who we are, uh, what we are doing, and how you can be a part. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. Last about an hour, a little less, and um, uh, there actually is childcare for that as well. And so uh, come come connect with us. And uh, you don't have to make any commitments today, although many people do, but uh, you can at least figure out, you know, hey, what's going on here and uh, how I can be a part when I'm ready. And so... Come on. Hey, if you've got a cell phone, take, take that cell phone out. Take your cell phone out. And uh, this is how I'm starting my message. And so this is, uh, Anthony, I'm beginning to lay it down right here. Uh, so, no, seriously, take out your cell phone. I want you to check your battery percentage. Check how much battery you got, okay? Get, get that number in your head. Uh, battery percentage there. Um, show of hands. Um, how many of you have less than 50% battery? Wave at me, wave at me, right? Come on, okay, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask, uh, put your hands down, ask another question, a little bolder uh, move here, but how many of you, your percentage, your battery percentage is less than 20%, less than 20%, raise your hand, not, not too many, not too many, I'm very proud. Uh, so, so I'm gonna go with the 50% crowd here, just to make an illustration here, but I believe that if I looked correctly, most of the people raising their hands, whether it was at the 50% level or at the 20% level, somebody's cell phone went off. <laughs> That's a cool ringtone. Uh, you know, old person ringtone, but nonetheless. No, if you, if you, had, if you had less than 50%, let's just say less than 50%, uh, I, 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 I looked around the room, I, I saw your faces, predominantly young people, predominantly young people, younger people, younger. I'm not younger, I'm older. So the older people, we charged our phones last night, didn't we, old people? 
We did. We charged our phone last night. I'm convinced. Hey, listen, I'm convinced there's two kinds of people in this world, those that charge their cell phones and those that charge it when they run out of battery. And I don't know what it is about young people, but young people, younger people, and this would probably be 30 blows, uh, they oftentimes don't even think about charging the cell phone until it's dead. And, I, and I, my brain doesn't understand that. I'm like, literally, and all the old people in the house are like, amen. You know, we're like, old people are just, we're typically, not always, sometimes, sometimes there's an exception, but typically older people are like prepared. We charge our cell phones. So in the morning, it's 100% charged and we can make it through the day, you know, and, and we're not on YouTube all day either. So our phones last, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't matter if I have 90% charge at night, I still plug it in, Right. And all the young people are like, no, no, we wait until that thing, that little thing pops up and says 5% battery left. I believe there's two people in this world. Making a point, making a point. Jesus, if he were here today, I believe he would use this illustration that I just used. Instead of using an illustration that he did use in the Bible where he talks about the 10 virgins. And he said that some of them had their lamps full of oil, those who charged their cell phones, and some of them didn't have any oil left in their lamps. Those who forgot to charge your cell phone. Some of you are like, my cell phone's dead right now. <laughs> Jesus, if you don't know about the parable of the 10 virgins, there's a little homework for you there. Just Google Bible 10 virgins. Now, I will be honest with you. If you don't put the word Bible in front of that, I am not responsible for what you see. <laughs> Disclaimer. We go study on the 10 virgins parable. As believers, as Christians, we, we have to stay charged up. We have to stay ready. Anthony, you actually almost stole my thunder there. You, talk, you actually used uh, language that was very similar to what I was going to use here today. You talked about you know, the worship service and the, how we sing these powerful words that, that are biblical-based words, right, from the scriptures, and we're singing. And it, it is a way of charging up. And the Bible talks about being ready, being charged up, and being connected to the source. I think you might have actually used those words. Being connected to the source and... It's so important as Christians that we, we don't grow weary in well-doing. We don't disconnect, that we don't find ourselves separated from the source. And I, and I think everybody would agree today, maybe watching online, you're like, yeah, 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 of course, of course, of course. Paul talks about this in the scriptures, in this letter to Timothy, he wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's writing to a young pastor, Timothy, and most likely he's got a church in Ephesus, a lot of young people, a lot of new believers uh, maybe some old, old believers there too, but a lot of new believers, and he's trying to help Timothy so he can help the church there at Ephesus. But I want to read the scripture and kind of set the stage for what I want to talk about today. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one, it says, but understand this, that in the last days, let me just pause, in the last days, do you mind if I take a second and, and raise this up? I don't care if you mind or not, I'm doing it anyway. I just, it's so short, I can't do it. There we go. Now I can see the words are closer to my glasses. <laughs> Let me just stop it, pause and say in the last days, okay? In the last days. I believe we're in the last days. Come on, how many of you would agree with me? We're probably in the last days. Now, Paul was talking to Timothy 2,000 years ago, and he was saying in the last days, like, like next week, he was literally, the last days literally can be defined as any time between Jesus and 
the end. <laughs> it's the last days. And so, but I, I would say, I would have to say that I believe, I'm convinced that we are closer to the last days than, well, obviously than Timothy was. No brainer. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. I looked that up in the Greek. It means hard to bear or violent times. Boy, you can watch the news today and you convinced. I think he was talking about today. Uh, history has proven, man, there's been so much violence in history. Genocides around the world, um, um, just evil all over the world for 2,000 years, we've seen just so much. And then even currently what we're seeing in the news in our nation, but also around the world in different countries. Oh my goodness, hard to bear times. Violent times are among us. It says in verse two, in these times, in these difficult times in the last days, for people will be, now watch this, listen close, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Come on, young people ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. My goodness. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Having appearance of godliness. You know, I mean, you could almost, at some point in the context of these scriptures, think he's talking about the world, not the church. I mean, goodness gracious, it, these words are so, oh, so hard. And he, but then he says, having an appearance of godliness. In other words, they go to church, trying to make people think, man, look at me, I'm good. But the, their conduct is, oh my goodness, it's horrible. And having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Not tapping into the real source, Anthony. Not tapping into Jesus and allowing Jesus to be our source. And he says, he says to Timothy here in this letter, avoid such people. Don't allow these kind of people to influence you. Now, I, I guess you could take this scripture in a couple different ways. And you could say, you could say Paul was talking to us today uh, to be careful because there are so many influences in the world around us. There are so many influences, some close to us in, in close proximity, some distant from us, but because we have access through our cell phones that, that we just used as an illustration, we have access to news, we have access to so much that there's such a great influence. We have to be careful and we have to watch out for people that would lead us astray, right? But then I, I, I do also believe that, I, I know me, I know Mike, and you know you, and I have, I have the potential to go rogue real fast. And I'm not the only one. I'm not in denial like some of you are. I get it. No, I know. I know my limits. I know my limits. I look in the mirror almost every day and I look at a guy that could either go with Jesus or go with himself and make a wreck out of life. And I can't afford to not be plugged into the source. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm harping on some of you. It's just for fun. But, um, you know, I got to stay plugged in. That's why I plug my phone in every night. I got to plug in every day. Because I know if I don't go a day and my little light flops up there, 20% battery left, 10% battery left, 5% battery left, you're an idiot. No, it doesn't say that, but it should. You know, <laughs> I, I know that if I don't plug in every day, then, then I'm going to be drained. I'm going to be empty. I'm not going to be able to do the things that Jesus went to a cross to allow me to do, the freedoms that he paid for me. I'm not going to do those. I'm going to lean evil, <laughs> 
And you are too. And we do that. We, we have the potential to become very violent and very evil and very messy, very fast. Paul talks about this. He says, here's some of the words that I just read. Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. Doesn't that define the world around us? At least the world we know, the world we're close to. People are all about, man, I want this new stuff. I want this new phone. Man, some of you didn't want to take your phone out and hold it up and look at it because you're embarrassed. It's not the newest phone, you know? It's like, a, it's like an iPhone 8 instead of an iPhone 11 or 12 or whatever the latest number is. I mean, it's like, or whatever. It's like, I want the newest stuff. I got to have a bigger house. Got to have a nice car. Got to have a newer car. Got to have a newest car. I got to have a new, I got to have a, a house. I got to have a second house, one for my car, you know, to park it in. I got to have a, I got to have a boat. I got to have, I got to have, got to have, we, we want all these things. We want people to like us for, for what we look like, for what we have. We are all about pleasure. We really are left to ourselves and we're selfish. We're self-centered, borderline narcissistic in many, many ways. He said puffed up by pride. He used the word pride in there and arrogance and Conceit, you know, pride and arrogance, conceit, they're all blinders. They blind us. They, they, they keep us from being able to see truth. They keep us from being able to see uh, reality. We, we live in a surreal world, a world that's uh, almost make-believe. It's almost fantasy. Uh, we, we don't really see. I'm, I'm talking about, okay, let me, let, me, let me use me as an illustration. Mike does anyway. Let's see if you fit. I live in a bubble, I really do. And the bubble is things I see, things I know, things I hear, things I experience, my experiences. So my experiences define my world, right? And so the people around me, if they're always telling me that, uh, they're always telling me, and people do this all the time, Mike, you're so good looking. Mike, you're so good looking. Mike, you're so good looking. It doesn't make sense at some point. I really believe them. (laughs) I'm so good looking. I'm so blind. Come on, man. Quit telling me that. No, that's not true. I was just making it up. But you get my point. People can tell you all the time, things are great. Or they can flip that. Things are horrible. Things are bad. Things are so bad. And that bubble that you live in, in the words that you are experiencing, your, your, your experience, your world, it defines, or your experiences define your world. And so if we're not careful, we can be blind. And it's, it's prideful to be blind. That's why, again, I have to be plugged into the source. I've got to get some truth in me, some word in me. Uh, the Bible is very clear when it says, don't be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I must be renewed in my mind or I'm going to be conformed to the ways of the world. It's like A or B, which road do you choose? And so the experiences around us cause us to be blind and full of pride. I do believe if you read through the, the narrative of, of Lucifer or Satan in the Bible, the devil in the Bible, you see that he seemingly had pride to be able to think he was going to go challenge God on his throne and, and take his throne, you know, and and, and to become the God of the universe. Just, is, is that insane or what? Yet every day I feel like we have the potential to do the same thing in our own little ways. Proverbs 16 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a downfall or a fall. Someone once quoted this and said, we use people, we use people for our own gain and we blame them for our discomfort. Doesn't that sound like us? We take advantage of people. What's in it for me? How can I get something good out of this? And then if I don't, or if it goes wrong, we blame those same people that we were using. Pride, arrogance, conceit. Then he says, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. These words, ungrateful, ungrateful. The word stuck out to me and actually it inspired me to write down these notes and to speak about this today because I do see that. I've seen it in my life, being ungrateful. 
I see it in other people's lives. You know, when you have little children, your little children don't necessarily know how to be grateful. They, they typically are selfish. We all are, but they're typically like bold about it. They're bold about their selfishness. You know, you've got a little two-year-old, two-year-olds. That's where they, somebody came up with the term terrible twos, you know. We've got a little baby in here today. How, how old is this young, young man? He's two. So I'm talking about him right here. But he, look, yeah, he's two. He's like, I'm two, daddy. So, so it's true though. It's, and you could probably testify that, you know, they, they want their way. And if you don't give them their way, they kind of get mad. Not kind of, but they get mad, you know. And, and some of us haven't left the terrible twos. We still get mad, right? You're at the restaurant after church. I read this. Again, I read this to, this week that the, the, the waiters and waitresses, people that serve food said that the rudest crowd all in Kong is the Sunday after lunch crowd. And it's people like us. People like us, we're ungrateful. And we go to the restaurant and we act like we're two years old. I want my waffle and I want it now. And where's my waffle? <laughs> What's ungrateful? But this is true about two-year-olds. And sometimes we never grow out of that. We're ungrateful. You know, uh, the dictionary says of ingratitude, it's forgetfulness of kindness received. It's like we... Receive kindness? And I would even go as far as say we receive grace. And we forget so quickly. You know, we just did communion and Jesus said to his disciples, do this often in remembrance of me. I wonder if Jesus didn't know that we'd never leave the terrible twos in some ways. We, We would always quickly forget his grace, quickly forget I, so, so, see if you're like me, sometimes I let guilt and shame get a hold of me. I, I forget that Jesus' blood covered my sins. I get why Jesus said, do this often. He might have meant every day. <laughs> and we do it once every month. But he might have meant every day. He might have actually meant, do this a couple times a day. You need to remember a couple times a day. You need to remember often. But it's true when we don't remember, we become ungrateful or we are unappreciative, we're thankless. And honestly, it reminds me of the scripture in Romans chapter one. Some of you are familiar with the scripture in verse 21. It says this, for although they knew God, come on, have you know God? Come on, wave at me if you know God. At home, wave at me if you know God. All right, for although they knew God, although they knew God, they did not honor him. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But, and I would add as a result, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their, their screen was darkened. And those are the people who had a form of godliness but denied his power. Those are the people who are ungrateful. I read this not too long ago in a book. It said, we constantly complain, or at best, we fail to express our gratitude. Pray with me real quick. Father, I'm so sorry that I have failed in so many ways to express gratitude, not only to you, but to the people around me and for the life that that I have. Father, I, I pray for me. We pray, we pray today, Father. We pray for us, God, that you would... Convict us. When we're ungrateful. 
God, we want to plug back in. We want to charge back up. And really, we want to create a lifestyle, an attitude for gratitude, to be grateful, God, for you, for your presence, for the life you've given us. Help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. Let's, is that on the screen? Can, let's read this together. Would y'all read it with me? With me. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Leave this up for just a second. Do y'all see in the right in the middle of that it says, this is God's will? I don't know that I've ever seen those words, God's will, in this scripture before. I've always just read, be thankful in all circumstances. I've never noticed this is God's will. How many times, how many times have you said, God, I just want to know your will? And he's like, uh, it's right here. <laughs> oh, Lord, would you show me your will <laughs> for my life? And he's like, yes. First, first Thessalonians 5. 18. There it is. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. Come on, somebody say for me. All right, you're listening. This is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So I want to talk to you real quick, just a few minutes this morning about cultivating an attitude of gratitude. If you're taking notes today, you might want to write this down. If you want to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, literally this is plugging in. This is being plugged into the source. This is what's going to keep you from getting into the first or the second Timothy attitudes that are all jacked up. Number one, if you're taking notes, you must continuously strive to be content. We must continuously strive to be content. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a feeling I get on Mondays, but then by the end of the week, it's gone. I've got to every day, I've got to strive to be content. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, and Paul's kind of explaining to them about being content, and he says, for I have learned in whatever situation, come on, somebody say whatever, whatever situation that I am in, I, have, I am to be content. In whatever situation, I am to be content. I'm not sure that it's a feeling. I really am not. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it's a decision. I mean, how many of you are with me? Come on. It's like, it's, sometimes we think it's a feeling. Well, I don't feel content. But it's, I don't know that it's a feeling. I think it's a decision. He says, whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In other words, I know how to have little. I know how to have a lot. In any and every, gosh, he says it again, every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. How much do you think, and you want to leave that scripture up there for just a second. I think people are going to read ahead, but maybe they won't. How much would it take just a rough estimation. How much would it take for you to be content? Think about it. A little more, maybe? That's a good answer, right? A little more? Just a little more, Pastor. Because if you said a lot more, it would sound so greedy. <laughs> just, just a little more, Pastor. Just a, I'd be content. No, if I made another dollar an hour. Dude, I was just... On the way down, Ken, I was thinking when I was in high school, what's happening? When I was in high school, you're, you're, you're older than me, but you were still, you were working. You were, remember in the workforce, minimum wage, Ken, minimum wage in 1984 
was $3.35 an hour. That's the good old days, right? <laughs> I don't even know what it is now. What's, does anybody know the minimum wage now? $7.55? It was $3.35 an hour. And I remember, in, I think it was in the 90s, when they raised the minimum wage to $5.15, I thought, oh, ho, ho, we rich now. I remember when I made three thirty-five an hour, and, and I did for a long time. I remember thinking if I could just make another dollar more an hour, I would I'd be happy, right? I would be content. How much would it take for you to be content? If I had just a little bigger house, if I had just a little newer car, I mean, come on, you know, a little newer car. I mean, my car has got 315,000 miles on it. If I just got a car with 65,000 new, you know, I would be happy. Just a little bit more. If I just had a little bit more, that's typically what we would say. We do, we base our contentment on how much we have. Paul's not like that. Paul's like, I have chosen to be content. And in any and every circumstance, he says to be content with what you have. Be content. Remember, we're learning to be content because it is an attitude of gratitude. Be content with what you have. So look at what you have, possessions. He he talks about clothes. Look at your clothes. Go in your, ladies, go in your closet and look at your clothes. And and just back up a little bit, take a deep breath and say, I am content. That's what my wife does. No, she's just like everybody else. I have nothing to wear. You know it's true. You know it's true. Some of you turning red. Either embarrassed or you're getting mad at me. Shut up. And men are the same way. We go into our shops and we look at all of our tools. You know, we look at all our tools. I don't have enough tools. I need more tools. I need more tools. Power tools. Power, power, power. We need more. We go to Home Depot on Saturday morning and they got a sale on a new chop saw. I got to have it. Goes with the other two I've got. I literally, you, maybe you're here today. I was talking to a guy just a few weeks ago and he said that. He said he's got a fetish. I never heard a man say these words. I've got a fetish for power tools. And he, he buys power tools. He said, I got like three cordless screwdrivers and da, 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 you know. Oh my gosh, how much is enough? So I lost my train of thought. Backing up. <laughs> Be content with what you have. Go and look at what you have. And you have to decide, I'm content. So, okay, 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 bear with me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause the sermon, okay? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a commercial break. I, I am in no way preaching against having stuff, okay? And, and literally, if you're sitting out here mad at me right now because you got three chop saws. It's not about that. It's not about that. Look, being wealthy, and James talks about it. We just, in the last series, we talked about James. You know, it's, it's tough to be rich because of stuff like this, but... It's not wrong to be wealthy. It's not, I think we all are wealthy. And if you compare yourself to people, go to Honduras for a week, right? You know, go down and visit some of the folks on the riverbanks that built their houses out of the sticks. You, you'll come back home and be thankful. But, but I'm just saying, it's not wrong to be wealthy. It's not wrong to have stuff. It's not wrong to have the latest iPhone and newest iPhone. And it, it, none of this is wrong, okay? So I'm not preaching against having stuff, okay? But unpause. Paul says, be content with what you have. And that, that flies in the face of how we typically are. Be content when you're full. Be content when you're empty. Be content when you have stuff. Be content when you don't. It's an 
It's an attitude of gratitude. Be content in all things, every circumstance, every experience. Let me just say it. Be content with your job. Again, that doesn't mean that you're not looking for a better job, a better paying job, better environment, whatever it may be, but, but be content with your job. Don't be discontent. Ladies, be content with your husband. Men, be con- Some of you started laughing like that was a joke. It wasn't. <laughs> Men, be content with your wives. Pastor Van said this years ago in men's conferences we would have here. Right here in this room, he would say, men, it's the very things that you criticize about your wife that kept, you from getting a better, kept her from getting a better man than you. Yeah. <laughs> Three hand claps in the lab. <laughs> it wasn't in my notes, so I'm not mad. No, it, it's, it's be content. Be content. It's an attitude of gratitude. Now, now, we left the scripture up. No, we didn't. But this is where Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, that scripture is everywhere. And it's applied to everything except contentment. Am I right? Let, let me just rewrite it for you today. I can be content in all things through him who strengthens me. It's actually that scripture means the opposite of the way we use it in 99% of the applications. Paul's saying, I've learned to be content. I've chosen to be content. It's the way I posture myself before Christ to have an attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my cars. Thankful for my job, my career. I'm thankful for the education I'm receiving. I'm thankful for the food I have in my pantry, the food I ate last night, the food that I'm gonna eat today. I'm thankful for the clothes that I wear. I'm thankful for the shoes that I have. I'm thankful. And you might be sitting there going, well, yeah, Pastor Mike, if I had nice clothes like that, I would be thankful too. And that is wrong attitude. You've got a bad attitude. The thing is, it's not about what you have. It's about your heart. Be content. Be content. It's a choice. I will tell you this. If you will listen to what I'm saying right now and you will apply it to your life, you'll have a better marriage. You'll have a better job. You'll have a better career. You'll have a better life because it's perspective. And Paul said, I've learned to have a better perspective in every circumstance. It's a choice. I think it was John Maxwell um, who said years ago, there's a story in Alaska or up in the Canada, up in the cold, that people say there's no such thing as bad weather. It's just bad clothes. And uh, he applies that to life. And he said, there's no such thing as a bad day. It's just, you have a bad attitude. You know? And I think every applies here with what Paul is saying. You know, Paul even says in 1 Timothy 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I believe that speaks to what we're talking about right now. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Contentment can free you from greed and all sorts of evil, which could lead you astray. 
could unplug you from the source, could make your screen go dark. Number two, if you're taking notes, conclude that God is your source. Remember talking about gratitude here. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul said right here that your boss will supply all of your needs. Did he say that? Sometimes we think that. We think, I'm so mad at my boss. I'm getting a new job. I need to make more money. You know what? I've told people this for years, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't care. I've said this for years. I've told people, you want to make more money? Pray about it and ask God. He's your source. He's the one who supplies all your needs. He'll, in, he'll impress on your boss. <laughs> that was all the bosses clapping right there. <laughs> he'll impress on your boss to give you a raise. And we're like, oh, no, 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 because we want to blame the boss. We want to blame the employer. He didn't pay me enough. We want to blame the government. We want to blame somebody Paul says, and this is just having gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, that God supplies all my needs. And if so, this is indicting. This is, oh, this is convicting. If I don't have enough, who do I blame? God. If I don't think I have enough, I'm going to take it up with the master. That's right. We took communion in here. We are right before God. The Bible says I can come boldly. I can march boldly into the very throne room of God and state my case. I don't make enough. (laughs) But who does that? No, it's so much easier to blame the boss. It's so much easier to blame somebody. Maybe you're blaming your spouse. Maybe you're blaming whoever it may be in your life. But Paul says to have an attitude of gratitude, you've got to understand and conclude that God is your source. You know how we can do this is to, to express our thanks, like with our words. When you pray, and I hope you pray, but if you don't, start praying. Express your thanks. Thank God. You know, our words matter. Thank God for everything you have, everything that God's given you. Also look back and remember when God has supplied a need that maybe, man, I hope you have a story like this, but where you prayed and God came through and he supplied a need in your life. Don't forget about those. Those matter. Those little victories. You need to be reminded when God's come through and been faithful in your life. And it encourages you to believe that God will be faithful again. Or also when others are blessed. You know, sometimes we get envious and we get mad when others are blessed. But man, when a fellow believer is blessed by God, it is a reminder that God blesses. It's a reminder that God's to supply all of my needs too, just like he supplied theirs. And not get bitter and jealous and envious. Those are evil. Matter of fact, you should check your heart if that's the way you feel. And, and go to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I, I repent of being envious. But to know that God supplies all of our needs. You know, King David in the Old Testament knew this when he wrote Psalm 23. And we, we quote it. But this is our story too. The Lord is my shepherd. And it says here, I shall not want. That's an attitude of gratitude. It's recognizing that God is my source. Last thing, if you're taking notes here, recognize that you exist for a higher purpose. Paul's talking to the church at Philippi when he writes chapter three, verse 12, and he says, not that I have already obtained this. So he just, he just told them, look, I, I've had a lot of experiences with God. I was Pharisee of Pharisee. Man, I've, I've preached with the best of them. I've been in all kinds of environments. God has blessed me. I've been, I've been in situations I just can't even explain with Jesus not that I've arrived or obtained this or the final stages of sanctification. You know, he's talking about being right with God. He's talking about the, the walk. Uh, if, if you've been around me any length of time, I like to talk about 
uh, sanctification. But when I was saved, that was an event called justification. But immediately the Holy Spirit brought me on a journey, you too, of sanctification. And so I daily walk out my salvation in fear and trembling. And so every day I'm walking out my life. And when I do things that are, that are uh, healthy, you know, the Holy Spirit just kind of encourages me. When I do things that are uh, maybe destructive, the Holy Spirit convicts me, steers me, guides me back on track. And that is a process. It's a lifelong process. And Paul's not, not saying that I'm at the end of that process. I've got it. I'm perfect. I'm whole. I'm complete. He's saying, no, no, contrary to that, I have not obtained this or am Am I already perfect? But I press on to make it my own. I press on to make this process, sanctification, my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it. I haven't arrived yet, that I've made it my own. I've arrived. But one thing I do, listen, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If we do not understand that we are living for a higher purpose, that we are pressing on for a higher calling, something more than this life. If you're caught up in this world, if you can only see this world in in reference to your life, if you can only see this world, then you're going to be miserable, men most miserable, because this world will always disappoint. If you're living for this world, what are you really living for? But if you're living for a higher calling, it changes the posture in which we approach God. Instead of being grateful, if we're living for this world, we're just mad at God or we're mad at somebody. I want more. Gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy. Sorry, James. But when we posture ourselves with a higher calling life, when we, we realize that God's got more for me, he's got something for me that's beyond this world, now we can have an attitude of gratitude. Now we see the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's shaping us and molding us and giving us opportunity to live out our higher calling. Does that make sense? Did y'all hear that? To live out our higher calling. So what does that look like? Well, number one, I, I think we should live for heaven. Live for heaven. You know, if the Bible's correct, and I believe that it is, we're going to live forever. Those that are in Christ are going to live forever in heaven with Jesus, wherever heaven is. I think heaven is being in Jesus' presence. But whatever heaven looks like, maybe it's a city. The Bible describes a city with streets of gold. I like that. I'm going to live there. That's pretty cool. It said Jesus went away to build a mansion or some kind of house for me. I don't care if it's a adobe hut. I don't care. It's in heaven. It's with Jesus. I'm going there. That's what matters. But I'm living for that. I'm storing up treasures there and not treasures here. Some of you know the scripture. But live for heaven and you won't get caught up in the cares of this world. Matthew 6, Jesus tells us to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. There it is again. God's my source. He's taking, gotta keep my eyes on Jesus. Gotta keep my eyes on heaven. Gotta keep my eyes on what matters. My eternal perspective. We live for heaven and not only that, but in order to have uh, 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 our eyes on living for or existing for a higher purpose. We also, we got to live for others. We've got to live for, for others. Philippians 2, Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. You know, that's the great commandment, right? Love God, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. That fits, fits perfectly into the narrative that we, we live for a higher calling. We're to live for others. We're to live for something bigger than just stuff, than just this world. 
Someone once said, consider others' needs and struggles. Give them a smile. Give them compassion. Give them empathy. Walk a mile in their shoes and you might experience their blisters. You can feel it. So I'm going to conclude here, but I want to just point out something that we live in a world and we live in a time that we have access to like social media and things like that. And and so I I have access to your highlight reel, the things you post. You don't post your bad stuff, right? Nobody takes a picture of themselves after three days of 103 fever and throw it online and say, oh, look at me. Nobody does that. It's always your highlight reel. You know, if you, if you follow my highlight reel, it's, it, you would think that all I do is grill on a green egg and take my granddaughters on dates because that's all I post. But if you talk to my granddaughters, they don't go on dates enough because they're ungrateful. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> See, they're eight, but might as well be two, right? No, no, we, we, we are privy to each other's highlight reel. See, I can see your highlight reel, but that's not fair. But comparison is a killer. Comparison's a killer. And so I'm always striving for what you have. And what you have, you're probably striving for what I have. And we don't even know it. We're a mess. And so instead of living by the way we feel, based on what we see, what we're exposed to, what we know, instead of comparing ourselves, let's, let's live by principles. I've just given you tons of scriptures. You can go back online to our website and you can watch this sermon over again. You can write down these scriptures that talk about contentment, that talk about God being our source, that talk about living for a higher calling. Let's live by principles because comparison is a killer. Now I get it. It's, it's, there is some challenges that come with comparison. There's some good sides to it. I, I do, I do want to grow. I do want to become better. You know, so I, I'm not negating all those things and we should all aspire to, to do more uh, both for God but also in this life, our families. But at the end of the day, if we're, if we're finding ourselves living out of balance in comparison, um, we're going to have the wrong heart, the wrong attitude. And instead of being grateful, instead of being thankful, we're going to be cynical and envious, prideful. And really, you could almost read that scripture from 2 Timothy we read at the beginning. We're going we're gonna to potentially fall into many of those categories. I have one more scripture. Jesus... Um, was walking with his disciples and they were just doing ministry. And in Luke chapter 17, we pick up on a storyline. Verse 11, it says, as Jesus continued on, if there's a, look, there he is, Evan. He's like a, he just appears. He's like the Holy Spirit. He does this to me in Wiggins all the time. He just appears. He scared me one time. I was, I didn't know he snuck up on me like this and he started playing and I'm like, it's angels. Where are they at? (laughs) It was just Evan. Hey man. Thanks. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered the village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance. They had to. That was the law. Uh, They were unclean. They had to actually not just stand at a distance, but they had to shout it out, unclean, unclean, anybody that came in their proximity. I'm sure that was happening here. They stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them. Man. Yeah, we could read right through that and miss the power of those words right there. He looked at them. Jesus is looking at you today. Don't miss also that they were on the border of Galilee and Samaria. Samaria. 
the Sumerians were um, considered to be just of no value. They were, the, the Jewish people were highly prejudiced against the Samaritans and the Samaritans were just outcasts. The Jews didn't give them even the crumbs from their table. And it says Jesus stopped and looked at them. And Jesus is looking at you today. Wherever you find yourself in life, and he must have done more, but as the story goes, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now this would have been only because they were healed. They couldn't even go near the priests if they still had leprosy. But he healed them. And, and, and you can read it different ways. I read it as if he just looked at them and they were healed. And Jesus can do that, right? You know, in communion today, some of you drank the juice and ate the wafer. Maybe you're at home and you didn't even do it. And, and it's okay, don't, don't get condemned here. But in your mind, as you were doing it, it was just a, you know, it was a routine. Ah, yeah, there's the wafer. Oh, there's the juice. We did it. High five. And it had no personal implication. But let's, let's, let's just, forgetting what lies behind, let's just stop in this moment and recognize that Jesus is here because he loves you. He's not mad at you. If anything, he's madly in love with you. And he's looking at you. And you are healed. In God's eyes, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your shortcomings. He doesn't see your flaws, your faults. He doesn't see your negatives. In God's eyes, he can only see the righteousness of Christ Jesus upon you. And he said to them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And this would only have been possible if they were healed. And then that would have been the normal routine. If you're, if you're healed by some miracle, which it was, which it is today even, you would go show yourself to the priest because they were the ones who would look at you and go, well, look at here. <laughs> yep, you're all healed. He's healed. They would proclaim that you could now re-enter the camp. You could now re-enter society. You could now go and mingle with people. You could go back to your families. Oh my goodness, these people had leprosy. They couldn't be around their families. They couldn't hold their grandbabies. They couldn't love on their parents or loved ones. They, they couldn't have normal interactions. Their life was a wreck. They were outcast. They were, they were, they were separated. And here he said, go show yourself to the priest. And here it is. As they went, when they said, I believe Jesus, it says they were cleansed of their leprosy. They were cleansed of their leprosy. That's why I say, Scott, that sometimes I think I take communion and I, I, don't, I don't apply it. I don't apply it. Yeah, it says for healing, but, but my issues, I just don't know that God would do that for me. I don't know that he'd heal me. I don't know that he'd heal my depression, heal my anxiety. I don't know that he'd heal my sadness, my loneliness. I don't know that he'd heal my, my relational issues. I don't know that he would do that for me. Oh, he would do that for you, but not for me. And they believed. Ten of them, ten guys. And they believed, and as they went, they were healed. Can you imagine? 
oh my goodness, the excitement. I get to go back and hug my, my family now. And, and as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. In verse 15, one of them, how many? One of them. When he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, you can imagine. Praise God. He fell on the ground, fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. He was one of the outcasts. He wasn't even a Jewish person. Now, this is where it gets really interesting and very applicable to our message today. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Except this outcast? Except this Samaritan? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And it wasn't that the others weren't healed. They were healed also. But only one out of the 10 gave thanks to God. And my question for us today is, am I willing to be the one? Am I willing to say, you know what, God, I am going to be grateful for the life that I have. I'm going to be grateful for my spouse and for my family and for my house and my car and my job and my career. And am I going to be grateful for the life you've given me? Am I going to be grateful for the struggle that I'm in right now? Am I going to be grateful? Am I going to choose to be content? Am I going to recognize, God, that you are the one who supplies every need that I have in my life? Am I going to recognize that I'm living for a higher calling? That I'm not living for this world. I'm not living to make all this money. Gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy. I did it again. No, no. I'm living for a higher calling. God, I'm living to please you. Is that the choice I'm going to make? Am I going to glorify God by the life I choose to live? Choose to live. Choose to live. Am I going to thank God and be grateful? I'm not going to be like the other nine that just went out and lived it up. Let's pray. Father, oh, that we would be like the one. Jesus, you have healed us. You have healed us and you have cleansed us of our unrighteousness. Washed all of our sins away. You've given us the the right, the privilege to come boldly into the throne room of God. God, forgive us of our ingratitude. Forgive us of our selfishness. God, I pray for me. I pray for us. That something in us today would say, I choose gratitude. I choose to plug into the source. I choose to live my life for Jesus, for that higher calling. Come on all over the room right now. Just make that your prayer. God, I repent and I choose to be content with you. I choose gratitude. Come on right now. Nobody's looking. Everybody's connecting with God. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never been born again. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on a cross for your sins and you would confess it with your mouth, the Bible says you would be saved. If that's you today and God's drawing you, his Holy Spirit is drawing you, I want to lead you in a simple prayer of repentance. This is a great way to thank God for your healing. Just say something like this. Say, God in heaven, 
Come on, folks, help me out here. Come on, all of you at home. God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me, Jesus. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. Just tell him this, say, God, I give you all of me. And I receive all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer today. Maybe you've prayed it before. I want to tell you, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it from your heart, the Bible says that God is faithful to forgive our sins. And really, God's reaching his hand out today and he's saying, come on, let me show you how to live this new adventure. Come on, take my hand. Let me show you how it's done. Let me show you how to live that life like the one that came back. Let me show you how to live the one, uh, to live the life that's free. Let me show you how to live the life of gratitude, knowing that God is everything I need. Everything I need. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give it up for those who may have prayed today. That prayer. Come on. If you... uh, if you prayed that prayer today, maybe you were watching online or you're here in the room, uh, we, we'd love to know about it. Uh, our, our pastors would love to know and we'd love to reach out to you. Um, if you'll take the time, um, we, Anthony taught us about the little card in the seat pocket if you're a guest here today, but also if you made a decision, take a moment, just check on the card. There's a box that says, I made a decision to follow Christ. And you can stop by our next steps table in the back and drop that card off and we'll Reach out to you as pastors. If you're watching online, you can go to northwood.church slash next steps and you can uh, actually indicate on there you made a decision today. And so, you know, making a decision for Christ for some of you was a long, long time ago. Keeping your battery topped off, keeping plugged into the source is not something that you can look back and say, yeah, I did that. It must be something you say, yes, I'm doing. Living for Jesus means I'm plugged into the source. And I'm letting his light shine through me. I just thought of that. That's a really good one though, right? Yes, uh, screen time. Um, and if you do that, others will see and want what you have. Amen? Amen. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Don't forget at the end, we're gonna have some folks here to pray in the front, pray with you and drop your cards off at the next steps. Let's worship God as we close out today. Thank you.